Okay, welcome back to another edition of uh, Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson, and today we've assembled another marvelous panel. First of all, well, to my left, you, you, you're sitting in you're sitting in Zilpha's normal chair, but is whatever, the, I'm lovely, the equally lovely <laughs> Brian. Hey, Brian, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to have you. Um, and then sitting across from me, so I can stare into his dreamy eyes, <laughs> is Dustin. Now, I, Dustin, I was thinking I, I need a level set. I need a level set for you. Um, um, Dustin, Dustin has been with us for a couple years now. Um, Dustin is our resident um, non-Mormon ex-cult member, right? It's <laughs> a good way to describe it. Yeah. So, so uh, Dustin, Dustin, you, you grew up as a, as a Jehovah Witness. I did. I am um, no longer. Man, how, how many years have you been in Utah? Your whole life? Uh, since I was eleven. Okay. So, so D- Dustin we, is, is is a good friend of mine, and we have a lot of fascinating conversations, comparing and contrasting, and trying to decide which religion is weirder. Who's who's winning right now? Where, where's the where's the contest? I don't know. I go back and forth. I still think Jehovah's Witnesses are weirder. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I came down on the witnesses being more controlling, but I think the Mormons have it weirder. Oh just yeah, of the I, temple. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're definitely uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are definitely. More controlling, yeah. but less weird. Yeah. Okay. So, not, so not by a lot. <laughs> so, D- Dustin's always great to bring in the, the outside perspective, especially in the topic we're going to be talking about today. And another um, expert in my interaction with her on the topic for today is, is Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, John. I'm an expert. <laughs> Thank you for that really nice compliment. You're welcome. Um, always great to have um, Lindsay, who's the well, e- editor in chief or the grand. I, I don't know what to say to not offend feminists anymore so <laughs> what what because because feminists don't like hierarchies so what are you in terms of the feminist mormon housewife podcast i'm the the, the benevolent cheap, dictator the, the benevolent matriarch. get shit done officer you're the we'll just call you the matriarch there you go so uh today our topic um is one we've been we've been talking about and thinking about doing for quite a long time um it's it's passive aggressive um culture passive aggressive behaviors in the LDS culture, I have I have this game I play, which is which is quite fun. Whenever I'm on an airplane or I meet somebody in the workplace who I find has relocated to Utah, so this is somebody who didn't grow up here, or I find that they're doing business with Utah people, then the first thing I say to them after I find out or I you know ascertain that they're not Mormon or whatever is I say, "Isn't it amazing how passive aggressive everybody in, in in Utah is?" And their eyes always light up and their face lights up and they say, "Oh yes, it's so true." It's like it's it's, it's something that is is noticed um, very much by people who interact with the culture. And it's something that it's kind of hard to see if you've grown up in this culture. Especially, I would suggest everybody spend a couple of years on the East Coast where people aren't passive aggressive. <laughs> and then you'll know the difference. Because uh, it's sort of a Western thing and it's especially a, a Mormon thing. And it's, 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 a, it's a behavior that, that is exhibited all around. And once, once you maybe listen to this discussion and start looking at it, you'll see it absolutely everywhere. Well, John, I'm just kind of sad for you because I just think that if you were going back to church, you probably wouldn't see things that way. <laughs> that, that's that's probably true. Uh, um, so, um, and and you know, and all in the interest of full disclosure, as I was going through some of the checklists this afternoon and preparing for them, I I kept getting distracted by how passive aggressive I am. I would be like, "Yep, yep, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me." Um, it also and, becomes part of like. If you grew up in that, I mean, 
you can't help but shake some of it sometimes. Right. And I, I think I think one of the elements as we talk about it is we tend to view more direct communication, it, those of us who come from a passive aggressive culture, as aggressive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So 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 we fall into that, that definition by seeing direct confrontation, even if it's not done in an aggressive manner, as being uh, aggressive. So so just e- even saying like like the company I work for, where we're, we are an international company, we have offices all over. So whenever I'm conference calls, I'm on conference calls with people from all over the country. And you can tell the difference between that and, say, a Utah meeting because, for example, in, in a passive-aggressive way, we'll lead with an example and we'll define it. Um, when somebody proposes an idea, if you're if you're in a, like a Utah Mormon company, you will not get people say who say directly, that's the wrong thing to do, or I disagree with that mm-hmm. pattern. And if somebody does, the look of shock and <laughs> horror on everybody's face, that, that they can't differentiate that this, this is a, um, this creative idea or that design or, or somebody saying, I don't like the blue with the orange. I mean, let's take something like that. That's not something that passive aggressive people would say. Um, so a passive aggressive person, if they're, let's, let's say, let's say, Brian, you're, you're my designer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a screen for software and I give you a color palette with blue and orange. Um, a, a, a non passive aggressive designer would say the blue and the orange don't look good together. They clash and here, here's why. And then, uh, then I would either say, do it anyway, or I'd say, okay, thank you. But the passive aggressive person is going to come and just like design it with blue and yellow. Well, what do you think about this? Right. They're, they're going to not follow through. They're going to, in a passive way, um, be resistant to, to whatever it is we're asking. For. So it's like they don't even know how to deal with the directness of the situation. I've been in loads of meetings like that at work, and people, they don't even know how to deal with it. They just say, oh, well, fine, if you want to do it that way. They say that directly in the meeting instead of like saying, well, that's not going to work. We shouldn't do it that way, and here's why. They just go this passive-aggressive route. So I I stumbled across what I think is the reason, the underlying cause. And I don't know if you're planning on get if I'm kind of jumping the gun on that. Go, go ahead. In, in my own kind of exploration and some conversation with Dustin that we've had prior to this meeting, the real problem with passive aggression is, is the fact that – or the reason why it exists is that life is messy and you have to get shit done. That's just the way life works. And we live in a culture where the expectation of politeness is ironclad. Those things come into conflict. So the expectation of politeness is applied uniformly. And anytime anybody breaks that, that's when you get that that wide-eyed glare of you're not allowed to do that because politeness is the rule and it's never to be broken. Everybody look at the asshole who's trying to say something direct. Exactly. Uh, So so i got to be honest, though, and I'm being completely serious. I don't even know healthy ways to interact with people without employing passive aggression. I mean, it's like so part of my language. It's I, I catch myself doing it all the time and responding to it. I mean, even preparing with this, talking to my husband, I probably told him 10 passive aggressive things getting ready for this podcast. Well, and even the culture here in Utah doesn't even know how to handle life outside of that. And so it's kind of how you have to interact almost because people like John was saying, like they don't, under, they don't know how to take it. They think you're being rude. Like if you went to New York, you'd be a rude person or something. Right. I, and I, I find pat the passive aggressive behaviors, like dealing with people in a passive aggressive culture. It's very, very difficult with creative endeavors because when you're doing something like recording a podcast, 
Well, when you're when you're doing something that's creative, you you have definite standards. Like like our color example, there's not oftentimes compromise. And and that's where things start getting messy, and that's where we, I, I want to talk later in the kind of careers where Mormons excel, and the kind of careers where they have a harder time. Oh, and you, and you'll see that that pattern of there's not a lot of great Mormon artists, there's not a lot of great Mormon, and, and part of it I think stems from this, not not wholly, but but part of it. So passive aggressiveness is is, is a pattern of behavior that's displayed by being passively resistant to expectations rather than being openly re- resistant. So rather than saying, no, I won't do that, or I can't do that, or I don't agree with that, you agree with it, and then you either deride it, you, um, um, like one of the hallmarks of it is procrastination, but not procrastination as a, as a habituated lifestyle, but procrastination specifically to not deliver. Stalling. Stalling. Um, sarcasm. Which you see quite a bit in um, that 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 sort of thing, where where you're 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 not a, you're not directly addressing the issue, but you're casting um, derision on it. You're you're doing you're doing all sort of things like that. Now now there's a distinction that's made that that I, I was unaware, of, but as I as I thought about it and I read about it, this is different than um um uh what's well, normally called catty behavior. It's basically um what's it covert aggression. So covert aggression is different. Um, covert a- aggression is you're openly trying to sabotage something. It's so like, hey, John, your podcast is going great so far tonight. No, really. Well, that that's so passive. That's so <laughs> passive, passive aggressive. Covert aggression or covert aggression would be like would be like um, somebody who you're acting behind the scenes to actually destroy the podcast or whatever. But to my face, you're 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 being fine. That's why it's oftentimes. Uh, oh, so like if I was or, messing with the knobs I, when you weren't looking. Example. Go ahead, Lindsay. I mean, I hate, I hate to put down my entire uh, sex, but uh, women women do this often, and especially they do it around men. We have kind of sometimes a secret language where we know how to really insult someone, insult another woman and uh, in front of each other. But it, the man will be like, what? What? She didn't say anything insulting. What are you freaking out about? Women really know how to shoot each other down in kind of this really secret language. And I think that that's an example of what you're talking about. So, 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 I mean, let's 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 jump on like a, a female example, just because it's funny and it, it'll piss people off. <laughs> so, so a passive aggressive thing would be like if one woman said to because um, 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 most men above 20, thirty are smart enough not to do this would say, um, "Oh, that 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 dress really slims down your 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 thighs." Like that's that's a passive aggressive thing to do because the the subtext is you have fat thighs <laughs> and you should slim them down. How women talk to each other in that way. We do this all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a really simple, but we say, we'll say things like, um, oh my gosh, you eat anything you want and stay so thin, but my family's just not like that. Our bodies aren't built like that. And what that is doing too is not trying to insult them, but that's saying, you know, it's insulting myself. Like women do this all the time. We don't express our own needs and we put ourselves down in our compliments. To someone else. So instead of just saying, oh my gosh, you look great in that dress, we say, oh, I wish I could pull off a dress like that, which is saying I can't pull off a dress like that. And so we say those kind of like kind of um, backhanded to ourselves compliments all the time. Right. Passive aggressive to yourself. Oh, wow. Inwardly like self-deprecating, but in a damaging way. Yeah, passive 
aggression doesn't just, um, you don't have to be aggressive to necessarily the person you're talking to. Huh. It can also be that you cannot express how your own needs need to be met. And so it might not just be that you're bothered with the person you're talking to. That's a really common form, but it's also that sometimes you don't know how to express like what your own needs or insecurities are and you project those onto other people. Definitely. I, I want, I want to pick up with that. I, just, I want to finish the, I want to finish the thought of, of covert. So covert, a covert aggressive act would be to say something really nice to somebody's face and then go behind them and then then say, oh, she looked terrible. Trash him on Facebook. So that, that's not that's not passive. So so gossip can be passive aggressive, but it can actually um, actually meld into the other form of aggression, which is you're you're specifically trying to damage somebody's reputation. That's not passive aggressive. But the oh, you look a lot thinner. Your yeah, your you know your thighs don't look as big in, the, in that dress. That that's that's more of a passive aggressive thing. Okay. So, so when we're talking about the, the, one of the reasons for passive aggressive, and, and you started, you started going into this, Lindsay, so I want to pick that back up again, is it gives people who aren't in control or who perceive that they're not in control a way to control the situation. And, and usually the way that they're trying to control the situation is to prevent whatever it is from moving forward. That's really the, the the negative part of it. So normally we're all trying to compromise and communicate and 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 make deals and move things around. But passive aggressiveness is usually a behavior that's displayed by people who are um on under um in in a submissive role in whatever interaction that that we're, we're dealing with. I don't know. There are plenty of leaders that pull the same kind of crap as that. Don't you think? Like I, I imagine bishops and stake presidents who have their own passive aggressive way of, of maintaining that politeness facade but still driving their agenda through anyway i well i i think i think definitely because it just starts permeating it, it becomes well, you know we were talking about the roots of this behavior but it becomes very pervasive and as we look more about uh, um, in mormon culture it just starts to bleed into everything but you know uh, uh so a bishop could use passive aggressive means of of controlling because like, he because he has to look polite in front of the meeting and you can't ever you've got to be the leader and respectful and uh, you know you got to be sweet to everybody or whatever it's not just about being polite though i i think john's right it i mean a bishop can use it but if you were to compare uh, amount of usage from say like a relief society president to a bishop i would be willing to put money on the relief society president and it's not necessarily because she's a woman but because she's a woman that has soft power in the church and so like john says People that are not in a position of power use it far more than people that do. Because for, if a bishop told you, um, you know, I I think you're you're sinning. Uh, we know that you're beating your wife, and that's that's a sin. You would take that a lot uh, easier from a bishop than say a relief study president or a Sunday school teacher. No, yeah, because yeah. you're trained to. Yeah, I don't think I can disagree with that. I think you got a point. Well, even like CIOs and directors and things like that, they don't have to. You have to listen to them so they can just be direct. They don't need to be passive aggressive about anything. Yeah, well, one thing I was reading today suggested it was talking about passive aggressive in management, and it, the the article said that passive aggressive behaviors tend to be exhibited by managers against their peers um, because it's it's a way to you know slow down or, or sabotage other people's work, um, and. It, it did talk about how people systematically get promoted who are passive aggressive. It, it, it's something, I mean, in my professional career, I work as a project manager, and it's something that a, a phenomenon I noticed years and years and years ago, which is, let's say you're handed a doomed project. It happens all the time. It, it, you know, you look at the budget or you look at whatever or the schedule, you know it's not going to happen. 
Well, there's a there's a whole that 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 you can come forward and say, "Here, boss, this is not going to work," and here is exactly why it's not going to work. And usually, that behavior is frowned upon in most in most companies. Companies have to actively work hard to reward truthful information. So oftentimes, people who can passively aggressively um, um, play the game and then have the project go. So if you tell them, "Hey, I'm not going to hit our December 31st deadline." And you tell them that in October, then they're likely to do something like make you work overtime or fire you or do all sorts of things. But if you just come on December 30th and say, we didn't make it, then it's that old um, repentance, forgiveness sort of, sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, so I think oftentimes our institutional structures promote passive aggressive behavior. It's a survival mechanism. It's, it's not like a, it's not like a personality defect. It's a way that people who um, are, don't have power gain power over the situation. Okay. And I think this is really key as we talk about the, the origins and why this is why this happens in the Mormon culture. Well, and what you're talking about, John, is called uh, Compliant def- Defiance. And um, there's a book called The Angry Smile where it talks about children being raised in passive aggression and um, kind of how you can control that. And what they say is avoidance is one of the ways of um, compliant defiance. But children learn from a young age that if they um, can do these things uh, like stalling or saying that they're tired or whatever passive-aggressive ways of getting out of something they don't want to do, it's less likely to result in punishment, right? They're not going to be put in timeout if, as if they were throwing a tantrum. So as children even, they learn not to throw a fit. They learn to say, oh, I, I can't put away my toys. My legs hurt or whatever it is at a really young age. And I think the same thing could be said for adults within the church. I mean, in the way that we are infantilized in the church, we we worry about, we're so scared. We have a culture of fear. And so I do think that in the church, we have this, this same fear of like being punished if we say what we really feel. So I, I want to take from that book, The, the Angry Smile. Um, they, they describe five levels of, the author describes five levels of passive aggressive behaviors. And we can go through them pretty quick. They're easy to understand. The first one um, the author defines as temporary compliance, um, which is the example of, I'm coming. <laughs> right, right. It's time to go. Um, what are you doing upstairs? Oh, I'm, I'm coming. But you're not coming. You, you know, you're, so, so you're, 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 you're putting that off. You're verbally agreeing to something, but, 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 you, but you, you, haven't, you haven't done it. Wow. I just like, thought of like a dozen examples just came flooding into my head. Wow. I didn't realize that was... Because, because you, you're knowingly being dishonest, right? You're knowingly, and it, it's, it's such a small thing. I mean, we're, I, everybody around the room is smiling because it's such a small thing and something we all do all the time. But, but it, it is a level of deceit. It's a level of saying, I'm telling you what you want to hear, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. But it's still a means of communication because we know what that means. We know that that's not right now. We know that's five minutes. Right, right, right. Or 10 minutes or whatever whatever it it's is. Still passive we know aggressive. it's not right now. So, so it's a means of contr- control, of exhibiting control, right? By, on the person who is in that point, they are the underling in that in – that, because they, they the, the assumption is there's a commitment. We were going to leave at 7. Yeah, we know it's time to it's go. It's 7.03. You know, you, know you're, you are now in the submissive position because you had agreed to leave at 7. It's 7.03. So I'm coming is a, is a way of, of being passive aggressive because you're, you're not coming. Um, so level two is intentional inefficiency. This is this is something like I, I did make my bed. I didn't know you meant that all the blankets had to be on the bed. 
when, right. when I was in college, and I, 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 was, I would do this to myself, if I had a lot of homework or a big deadline due, I would clean the house. I, <laughs> right? Like, I was like, well, I could, I, the dishes have got to be done. I've got to, well, we haven't cleaned the bathroom in a long time. And I would just sort of forestall my own, yeah. the things I had to do, like, just because I didn't want to do that, kind of subverting my own. So you're saying the, the inefficiency on your on your homework? Cause, uh-huh. Okay, I, I can see that because oftentimes this is displayed in like, like your your wife asks you to make the bed, so you intentionally do it poorly, right? You intentionally leave wrinkles in, or you turn it in lay, oh, or different. or you you're not doing as good of, of a job as you can on purpose. Oh, I'm sorry. You wanted me to put the dishes away too after I washed them. Oh, you didn't say that. I'm sorry. Right? Yeah, you load the dishwasher incorrectly. Um, the, the the next one this sort of bleeds into level three, which is letting a problem escalate. So and and sometimes that that's where that procrastination comes in. Um, you, the 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 author uses the example of like like returning a car with an empty gas tank or something like that. You know where where you're you're intentionally letting something, letting the person who's in a dominant position like suffer. Let the problem gets worse as a way of defying it. Like so, if you're a teenager and you're mowing the lawn, you intentionally don't mow the strip or you let the weeds get bigger. You're, you're letting the problem get, get, get out of hand. You're, you're, you're intentionally doing the, the illusion of compliance while kind of giving the middle finger to whoever told you to do the thing. <laughs> okay. Le- level four is um, hidden, but conscious revenge. They define it as, which is you're, you're intentionally burying bombs um, for people. You're, you're, you're burying landmines at this point. You're, this, this is, this is, this is, this is more overt. So, well- like hiding the keys if you know that your mom's supposed to be somewhere on time and you hide it as a teenager. So you're like, I don't know where your keys are. Sorry, mom. Correct. Um, this this would be yeah, in the workplace, like not actually doing something you know has to be done. Like you don't plug a server in or or something like that, where you know it's sort of sabotaging the work, but in a way that's plausibly deniable. Now, what what I think is interesting, the level five, um, um, that the, the the reason they did they, is self. De- Self-deprecation. I thought that's strange. You know, like people say, "Oh, I'm so, I'm so." But the reason that the the author puts this at the top is because at this point, an individual begins to intentionally have self-destructive behaviors in order to get back at another person. This would be like my wife wants me to be fit, so I'm going to eat donuts to be fat because she doesn't like it. And I, I guarantee you, if you do an inventory of yourself, you, that you can find something that you've done this way, where you do some things that, that are damaging to yourself in order to be um, a, a passive-aggressive. Cutting off your nose to spite your face. Right, right. <laughs> so so let's talk about some of the sources of, of this. Um, one of the chief sources they talk about um, psychologically of passive-aggressive behaviors are people who grow up in a very controlling environment. So children who grew up in a controlling environment where everything's dictated to them, this was, as we've hinted at, their sort of one way to exhibit control. This is a way to, to control yourself in, in um, a situation where you don't have any control. And there's openly ways um, that this happens, like in terms of social protest. Because if you think about, like, you know, Gandhi, uh, when he went on the hunger strike, or when they went to the sea and, um, and, and collected salt in defiance of the British laws. Tie yourself to a tree. So, so, so those... Th- but those were those were open acts. But if if you don't have that kind of power structure, oftentimes what you start doing is these passive aggressive sabotage, um, uh, procrastinative behaviors to gain some level of control over, over your life. So, what does that have to do with the church? You might ask. 
What does that have to do with the church, John? Oh. <laughs> um, well, uh, in my connection that I'll make, you, you're all welcome to disagree with me, is the church is a very controlling organization. So that the church um, has opinion, or if not rules, on every bit of your behavior. If you're what kind of how tight your jeans are, how many times you pierce your ears, what color of shirt you wear to church, what you do when you're 18, when you can date, what you can date, how you can touch each other. They talk about mm -hmm. um, what you can do on Sunday, what you can't do on Sunday, what's appropriate. On they define what you're supposed to be doing on Monday night, on Wednesday night. When when you know just just everything is tightly prescribed, mm. and and not only that, the church gets into thought crime, saying you can think about this, you can't think about that. Mm. So 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 you're 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 in a very authoritarian, controlling environment. Um, so. The, the, the psychologist would predict that somebody in that sort of um, behavior environment will start acting in passive-aggressive sort of ways. And they all do. <laughs> Have you guys read Michael Stevens' uh, research that he did on LDS passive aggression? No, that would entail doing straightforward research on the oh. topic at hand. But please tell us what, what, he, what well, he said. Well, lucky for all of you, I read it. Um, so he's a... He's a Professor at Weber State, and he did a huge study on this, and then he just recently published an article in, in Sunstone magazine in 2013. And um, he did this study because he noticed a lot of his students were acting in really passive-aggressive ways. And so he did a study, and I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but Utah has, like, in business and in education and in all of our social interactions, we have a huge amount of um, passive-aggressive aggressive behaviors compared to the rest of the nation. And what he linked it to were three, three sources. The first one is a scripture um, in third Nephi eleven twenty nine, where it says for verily, verily, I say unto you that he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. So the idea of anything that is a disagreement is contention, even if you're right. That's that expectation of politeness that I was referring to. Exactly. And that's huge. That's huge. And we, and I see this all the time in, with interactions with family members. Anything that's considered, you know, like they'll say, Lindsay, when I was talking to you, I didn't feel a spirit. And I'm like, yeah, when we're talking about rape in the Congo, like <laughs> we can't feel a spirit, right? But they, they see that as like um, anything that's negative is not is of the devil. So then uh, the second possible source is a strong culture of, of obedience and submission. And this is interesting. He said um, he did a search on LDS.org for variations of obey, obedience, and submit, and submission. And he got over 500 hits in general conference talks since 2002. Wow. Um, and so just this culture of the fact that we have to obey and be submissive in this hierarchy when there's all these other things going on in the world puts us in conflict. And the third thing is, which we, which we talked about, the power dynamic, the fact that we have such a culture of deference to our church leaders. He calls it high power distance. And that's because there's such a huge power gap between the average member and like the general authorities, right? And and you can find talks about this or on a lot of like ex-Mormon forums about not being able to sustain or when we sustain our leaders, if you don't sustain them, 
<laughs> first of all, that's not like really a cultural option. And second of all, if you do, they like rush you out of the room and ask you about it. Whereas any other kind of vote, you don't really have to defend why you would vote against somebody. And so they're saying that, that when you have such deference to someone, you're, you have no control. You have no control over the rules that are be, being placed in your life. So anyway, sorry, that was a, a lot of talking, but those are the three things he's linked it to. So I have to ask a dumb question here. What does sustain if you don't sustain somebody? So um, in, in <laughs> the LDS church, we do sham votes where, you know, like they do in um, like, like dictators do, so where there's one person on that and then everybody, you know, votes in unison like this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 um they then they, they they'll say you know all in favor and and then they raise their hand and they say any opposed and if you watch like conference they oftentimes won't even look up when they say any opposed which is indeed a passive aggressive totally. you know a managerial thing to to say here i am asking this thing but i'm not even going to look at you Joe's witnesses do the same thing they 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 pass a resolution and like all in favor and you raise your hand and only if you're baptized you can raise your hand and say aye and then they always say any opposed and like I never in my life seen anybody. Like, mm, I don't think so. We the, shouldn't do this. There's actually this brilliant phrase that that, that they use that that is buried that is laced in passive aggressiveness. Any all, any opposed by the same sign, which is which is a reference back to the to the er, earlier one. So you're saying you you you're you're actually putting the second position in a subordinate in a subordinate role to the first one. Huh. So so it's it's you're stacking the deck. You're saying this is the vote you're supposed to do, and here's the secondary one. But but yeah, yeah, let the, me quote what Michael says about it. He says to observe Mormonism's higher power distance tendencies, one need only attend any LDS church meeting where a sustaining vote is called rather than serving as a referendum by members on the actions and decisions of church leaders. Such votes function as little more than member loyalty tests. Oh, In yeah. all cases, uniform deference is clearly expected, and when such deference is not given, such as through the act of casting a dissenting vote, the non-acquiescing members are invariably brought before the very church leaders who held the vote. It is not the leader and his actions that must be justified to the member. Rather, it is the non-deferential church member who must provide explanation for his or her decisions to cast an opposing vote. Wow. And, and for those who've ever <laughs> observed, awesome. for those who've ever actually observed it ha happen, if it happens in general conference, and I, I shit you not, it is church security that comes and takes you out of the building. They're in in their in their in their suits. They'll take you into a small room. I and, and I I have this directly from church security. Okay. They take you in a small room. They will collect your name and address, and, and it, it, they'll sort of basically give you a small-level interrogation, and then they'll cut, cut you loose. They don't, like, say, oh, a person on row 22, seat C, um, opposed this vote or anything like that? Um, no, no. Um, just pretend like it didn't happen in, in, why? So, so, so the, in conference also, like in the big conference center, the, the, I've heard of instances where they just ignore it. But, but in state conference, it's even more creepy. What happens is usually the there's one of the stake presidencies is doing the, the the sustaining the first counselor or the stake it's usually the first counselor I think who does it. Um, at that point they will stop and it'll be dead silence, and then the second counselor of the stake presidency will come down off the stand, and 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 this is usually the, the cat's hungry so we can put him out the door and shut the door if you get tired. We're, we're getting we're getting molested by a cat. Piss so. off, cat. Piss off. I'm so turned on right now. By that. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, what was the, what was that phrase again? The the little more than membership loyalty test. Is that what, yeah, was that the phrase? Said, 
He said, rather than serving as a referendum by members on the actions and decisions of church leaders, such votes function as little more than member loyalty tests. Yeah. Wow. That that's exact. That's brilliant. It, it sounds is. like the wave. So so they'll they'll stop and wait, and then the, the second council will come down. And this is this is, this is a state conference. So you're talking about a couple thousand people, and they'll walk down, and then they'll take them out to it. So the whole thing will stop, and all eyes will go on. And I guarantee you that anybody seeing that happen, which it does happen, but happens rarely, ain't nobody else going to vote no on the next time around because you, you, these are all your neighbors, everybody else is going to see it. Well, and, you know, it's hard to be, you have the whole conformity thing there, even if it wasn't Mormonism, like in the groupthink type of thing, you don't want to be the odd man out, but obviously they actively eject the odd man out, even if there is one. So, so when there's yeah. one of the things I was Big reading public about shaming, yeah. One of the things I was reading about passive aggressive behaviors is, is they use the word safe when, when it is not safe to actively disagree or actively express a contrarian point of view at all. That's when passive aggressive behaviors come up. So I think we've, we've sort of laid the groundwork for why that happens in, in the church. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk about some of the specific examples of. of can, I, can I just say though, I I would like to point out one more time that you know passive aggression is something that happens in all children, right? Pretty uniformly because children do not have control over their environment. Mm. And isn't it interesting that Utah has like the highest use of passive aggressive behaviors? I mean, we're treated like children. Our lives are. We're babysat like children. And this is how it's manifested. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's an an infantil infantiliz what's infantilization in, infantilization of the way adults interact with each other is the hallmark of Mormon stuff. So whenever when I go to Mormon things now, that's what most strikes me is 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 you know you you can't see any adult themed. I'm not and I'm not talking about like boop 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 sex. I'm talking about just any kind of adult theme. Um, that, that, that's not allowed. You don't, can't see any, any R rated movies. You can't talk about anything like that. You just have to move everything down to an, to a fifth grade level. And that's, that's the level of discourse between adults. I think part of it too, um, is everybody has to put on the happy face. Everybody has to be happy all the time. And this is the whole obsession with perfection thing. And you're not allowed to say anything bad about other people. So everybody does this whole roundabout way to get to this place where they want to be like, and they want to say to somebody, you're being a jerk or they want to be direct. But they can't. They got to go this roundabout, passive aggressive way to get there. Exactly. So the first example I was going to give of inside the church, passive aggression. So this is Mormon on Mormon passive aggression. <laughs> is home teaching. This is the hallmark example of <laughs> passive aggressiveness because there's a lot of people who don't like to do home teaching for various reasons. But you cannot turn it down. As a matter of fact, in 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 in, in one of the in the ward that I was a clerk in, so I was in the, the clerks are kind of an adjunct to the bishopric. So I would sit in the bishopric meetings. Somebody actually did. The guy said, I just, I don't like doing it. I can't do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And he, he was an active member. He just said, no, he just said no. And, and from, I was hearing it secondhand in this meeting. It didn't sound like he's being a dick about it or anything. He just said, no. So the, they say sick to another member of the bishop. They said, you go back and tell me he can't, he can't do that. So you can't turn down the calling of being a home teacher. You, you just can't, it's not allowed. They won't let you do it. So this is why everybody is so passive aggressive about home teaching. They lie about their number. I'll give you from when I was a clerk, we, we found out a family had moved out of the ward six months earlier and we looked and they had reported hundred percent home teaching for six months. Why? Because they wanted to avoid that direct 
interaction of saying, no, I didn't do, I didn't do my, my home team, but people will stall to the last day of the month. They'll go and they'll just, they don't have anything prepared. They'll count bumping into somebody at the grocery store. Hey, right. good enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We saw we'll him. Call we visited. Them. Right. Send him a text or something. How you doing? Oh, I, I did it. Yeah. So there's this constant, and if you go to priesthood meetings, especially stake level priesthood meetings, there's this constant war between like Gondor and Mordor between on the, on, on, on the, the whole, um, home teaching thing and it's because that the people who are the home teachers have no power so the only way for them to resist is passively that's the only tool they have yeah i think you'll either um adapt to the situation and be passive aggressive yourself and be assimilated into the system or you'll be kicked out or you'll be on the outs- outskirts the guy who's who's a jerk who speaks his mind and doesn't or you can just do as you're told yeah i was saying you either do as you're told and just like become part of the system or how do you deal with it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. There is no way. Taken out on your the people you home teach. Well, and, and that that's the that's the real issue because people can't opt out of home teaching. This this it's it's like a cancer that starts to corrupt the whole system. I actually think home teaching is one of the good ideas of Mormonism. I actually like the concept of home teaching. It's just it's just very poorly executed, <laughs> um, and and which corrupts the whole system, right? Because there are people out there who will not or cannot or, or just just don't have the ability to ask for help, who need real help in their lives. And oftentimes by making contact with them, you can see that the principle behind home teaching is a very good one. But to make everybody do it, no matter what, because some people have social phobia or they don't like going to other people's house or they're allergic to cats or whatever. That, that, that kind of forks into the prosperity doctrine. Right. With the prosperity doctrine, the presumption is that if you're being righteous, you're succeeding, you're getting blessings, you've got income and food and happiness and everything's honky dory. So now you're in a position where, for whatever reason, maybe you're out of work and you, you're not able to make your rent or pay your electrical bill. Uh, there's, you can't be direct because you have to be polite and give the facade that everything's fine and there's, there's no way to get help when you really need it. You're double screwed. Which is which is how I mean that that's a great example of how the passive aggressive communication comes out in the culture. People say, I'm fine. Uh-huh. Because they can't say I need help. I need help. Yeah. They can't and, and, and I think I think it's an astute observation because there's there's there are all these pressures besides just that direct authoritarian control, which says, No, you're 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 not allowed. And 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 you know, when you when you um, are required, you, you you pay ten percent to the church, and then the church says, "Well, if you run into problems, you can go to the to the church um, cannery or whatever and pick up your can bishop of peaches, storehouse. the bishop storehouse." Um, but you're going to run into a lot of passive aggressiveness there, um, uh, in terms of shaming and Social and all these, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's an example of of in church sort of passive aggressive behaviors. We've talked about some others. Anybody have others they want to point out? Of yeah, Mormon I put a Mormon? call out on the Facebook on the FMH Facebook group to ask what people's passive aggressive stories were, and they they were hilarious. But one <laughs> named Micah was telling me that when he his bishop had I guess they had asked him about why him and his wife weren't coming to church or had heard that they had some issues, and he. He decided, you know, we're going to be direct about this. So we're going to invite all the people that are relevant, you know, that need to know what our issues are over to our home. And they invited, like, the stake president, the bishop, Rick, and, like, the Relief Society presidency or something. And um, he said a lot of people tried to get out of it. And then when they sat him down, they were really, like, polite about it and kind and heartfelt and honest. And he said that they... (laughs) 
the bishopric and all the people there that actually showed up could not handle it. It's like they didn't translate. Like, I don't understand what, what is happening here. Like, why you're telling us this way? Because they, they are so used to the aggression, like the passive aggression. They didn't understand the directness. And so then their responses were very passive aggressive. The thread is hilarious. Um, there, there are so many stories. There's, there's one uh, about my own family that was shared. My family is really good at passive aggression. And so, and they use it for disapproval. So you can't just say, Lindsay, that's a bad idea. I disagree with that. But if I'm telling my mom something, I'll say, what do you think of this idea? If, you know, for an activity, she'll go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, why are you going to do it that way? And I'll say, you know, these are my reasons. And she'll, she'll say, okay, if that's how you want to do it. And, and we hear that in relief study all the time. Like if we're doing planning meetings, women, you know, we have to come together and we're planning activity activities for people. And I've been in so many meetings, like you said, John, earlier in business meetings, people can't say, you know, orange and, and blue don't go together. They'll just say, Hmm, well, that's interesting. If you want to do it, you know, and and (laughs) that's, that's code language for women. We know exactly what that means. You might as well be direct, right? So because my we know question, exactly what that means, but it causes all sorts of anxiety because people are double speaking and, and you leave a meeting saying, what, what were they really saying when they said this? And women have so much anxiety when they get together because it's constant, like this, this constant dynamic of like, what does she really mean? She said this, but what did she really mean? Yeah. My question is like, if, I mean, it seems like it's almost the par for the course or whatever in Utah, as far as the communication goes, it's all passive aggressive, whether it's business meetings, whether it's um, communicating with friends in your ward or whatever, everybody around you. Um, And so it's, and for all intents and purposes, I grew up here since I was 11 and it's all I really know. And Joe's witnesses are super passive aggressive as well. Um, Is it that way anywhere else? I mean, some of these things, it just sounds so normal to me. It just seems like, I know like New York and East Coast is totally different, but I'm like, are there any other places, Midwest, West? I mean, is it, is there any other passive aggressiveness? I think the, I think the West is more passive aggressive, but yeah, but I think, I think East Coast, and especially you get like Europeans, they're not passive aggressive at all. Um, I don't like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, And, and you're ugly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right. Uh, yeah, I was gonna mention. So, uh, I've, I've got a bunch of family from the East Coast, and uh, I've, I've got a grandma. She's she's a firecracker. She's great, but she has a way of being preemptively passive aggressive. So, like if somebody in the family, like a cousin, does something stupid or something that she disapproves of, say they get a tattoo, she'll say something to the other grandkids like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're never getting a tattoo." <laughs> <laughs> but she's, I mean, she's not religious and from the East Coast. So well, it's... I mean, th- these behaviors come come out all over. It's just so culturally infused, and it's a, it's a method of control. You know, the the this is the way we do things here, sort of thing. Um, that that's the thing. Um, oh, um, you know, Sister Jones, when we give lessons here, we like to have a nice tablecloth. Uh-huh. That that's that's a very passive aggressive. Oh. That's a very passive aggressive thing. Or uh, I I remember so when I stopped going to church, um. I would see, I, I live in a small town, so I see people all the time. And Mormons, we, we cannot be direct with each other. And so, you know, everybody was getting curious. And I had had only two people ask me directly, like, is everything okay? What's going on? Which is still very softly direct. But I would run into people at the grocery store. I kid you not. Every time I ran into someone from the ward, this is how the conversation would go. They would say, Lindsay, I haven't seen you in a long time. And I would say, 
yeah, I know. How are you doing? And they said, no, I mean, a really, really long time. And what they were saying is, why aren't you at church? Joe and Zenesis do the same thing. Yeah, or um, I'm just reading this thread. There's there's some funny things like uh, there's a woman who she was at Relief Society and the Relief Society president would pat her and give her a hug every time she saw her and say, oh, I just love your thoughts, but I never get to talk to you because you always sneak out early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a darker example. Okay. Uh, so um, back when I was married, we had one child and then tried to have a few more and uh, – uh, uh, a disappointingly long series of them ended in a, a late stage miscarriage, and that was extremely emotionally difficult. Uh, but when we'd go to church, we'd still get people who barely knew us walk up to us and say stuff like, "Oh, you only have one. Why are you waiting so long? Why don't you have more? Why, you know, the Lord wants us to have more kids. It's all about families." And they'd be in our face with this stuff where they're just trying to what they're trying to say is you should have more kids and the, instead of stopping it it's none of your and then I would ask you to bleep none of your fucking business they'd still get in your face and ask like they just meddle and very it was just horrifying oh yeah they i mean we told stories for you know we had to we adopted our children so yeah they would say things like um oh well you could they'd say this more likely to, to Zilpa than myself you can be the mother of the children in the nursery. So, okay, so we've talked about Mormon on Mormon. Wait, wait, can I bring up one oh, more we've got that I think that, I, and I'm sure this is a common experience. How many of you out there have had the lesson directed at you, like, or the prayer directed at you, like Mormon passive aggressive oh, prayer, yeah. or Mormon aggressive uh, lessons? Like, my mom was really good. She would have these family home evenings and she would pick out, like, a problem, even after we were married. So, like, my husband is obsessed with, like, little, like, gadgets and the newest tech, whatever, tech things. And so she would pick out what she thought was wrong with each of us and then gear this family home evening lesson around it. And so she would say things like, and some of us, sometimes, like, maybe we're just obsessed with, like, gadgets rather than, like, service. (laughs) And, and, And she would direct the lesson. It was, like, tweaked for each of us, just a special little spiritual bump for each of us. Kim, you had one. Talk, get directly, get uh, get up on that mic. Introduce okay. Kim. Sure, Brian. Oh, hey. So, uh, just since I'm in the hot seat now, uh, welcome to. Could we use your last name? This is Kim McKay, and she is a brilliant person and a good friend of mine that I've known for many, many years. And she's just in town this uh, this weekend, and uh, I'm glad you're here to weigh in. Well, I was just going to share mine for myself that I still struggle with with passive aggression is in my marriage. Because growing up Mormon, women are not supposed to have needs. Like we're not supposed to have any needs. We shouldn't have any kind of requirements like that. And so for me, I couldn't directly say I need this. Instead, I would like go roundabout ways of guilting into getting what I needed. Instead of just owning, I need you to do this or I need this for myself because I'm not supposed to have any needs. Right. And, you know, when I was, I, I, I mentioned that, when I was reading through some of the markers, one that 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 one of them is that you mask anger, or you mask frustra- frustration. That's a that's a. And I thought, geez, I do that all the time. But partly because I don't like the fact that I'm angry. I don't want it to come out. You know, because like if if you can put that on its head and say, okay, so I'm just supposed to walk around and let everybody know I'm pissed off at them. So I I think I mean ideally you learn to balance your emotions better. But but I think sometimes the passive aggressiveness comes out because we don't want to be aggressive aggressive. 
but but then or you don't want to seem bossy like I, to kim's point i do this all the time and i catch myself but it's hinting in marriage like i'll be like you know we really need to do the yard work today yeah. and what i mean is we. you really need to go <laughs> do the yard work today i'm gonna sit and eat my cheese puffs and like. it was, we've, been, we've been talking i i i've i've been thinking um it must be a, a hellacious job to be a marital counselor in the state of Utah. <laughs> like you get these couples in and I've seen, and we, I, I've mentioned before that um, keeping marriages together for people who leave the church is extremely difficult. And I think this is probably one of the causes is we come from that passive aggressive saturated culture that we oftentimes don't know how to openly and directly communicate with pe- with people without taking, taking offense at it. Um, and, that that's that's one of the difficulties that we encounter. So we've talked about Mormon on Mormon passive aggression. Um, I, I want I want to now talk about um, Mormon on non Mormon passive aggression. Aggression, um, and you know one of the things I've seen I've seen this myself, and I've heard other people talk about it. I'll give you an example. You'll go to a, a workplace in Utah, and there'll be a there'll be a Mister Coffee in a cupboard. And if you open the cupboard, there'll be um, this instruction says for our out of town guests, <laughs> which is a passive aggressive way of saying if you're in Utah, you can't, you shouldn't drink this coffee. So that it's saying this is our values. Our values are that we don't drink coffee in the state. We don't, you know, at our place we wear sleeves on our shirts. It's that same sort of passive aggression, and it's a way of communicating. It's not saying, hey, for you non-members, the coffee pot is here, and and but. Then it'll give instruction on how to make coffee because oh, because what happens is an out-of-town investor comes in and like where the f- is the coffee you know <laughs> so every, every place every place has the coffee pot away because they realize that it's really bad they can't the, the executives won't go and say in our in our lovely state we don't drink coffee but it'll be on the sign reminding you that we do not want the the the, the coffee up and I remember that uh, one place I worked there was a guy who came who moved in from out of state and he, and he was a coffee drinker this back when I was a, a member and people would pass, make passive aggressive comments about the smell of coffee like you were offending their sensibilities merely to have the scent wafting well it's like one of the most amazing smells in the world and yet for some reason people think oh it, I hate the smell of it they like tell themselves that it smells bad I so then to. they can feel good about it. I, 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 yeah, I, I loved the smell. I still do. Uh, but I think if you would go around the smoker as a kid and hack your lungs out. Uh, uh, yes. Do you remember doing that? Yeah. Yep. I, I hear a lot of this Mormon to, to non-Mormon control on airplanes. I love, I love flying in out of Salt Lake <laughs> and listening to people because, because the, the, there's actually been a couple of different movies and trainings directed at LDS people to talk to people on airplanes. And I remember one where they said, this is a captive audience. This guy can't go anywhere. So you can talk. So so there are. If if you pay close attention, there will be a Mormon trying to like spark some conversation, and they're hilarious. I wish I should start recording them. Yeah. And and there's a lot of that passive aggressive that we this we the that and it's it's this so this social control sort of um and you know it's like the Zion curtain which is in the state of Utah <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the state of Utah I mean this is a great example of passive aggression yeah. right you, you, that that they won't actually the businesses will walk out of the state and say if they say we can't serve mixed drinks so you have to actually have a barrier so if there's if there's a potential for children sitting in a restaurant they can't see somebody make an old fashioned so so you have to actually put up a curtain. Um, between the restaurant area and the bar so that children cannot see somebody actually construct a drink. I'm thinking when women talk to each other and if there's a woman that shows up um, to an event and it's like a sleeveless dress or a short skirt, it'll always be followed up with a comment like, oh, what an interesting dress you have on. Or 
wow, what a unique fashion sense you have. I'm so glad that we value modesty here. <laughs> but deep down, they're all like, the ones that are saying that, they're jealous they want to wear it. But they're just jealous that, you know, Susie wore it and they couldn't yeah, wear it. That's resentment there, definitely. Yeah. I've got I got another good one. Slutty Susie. So firsthand, the, the the kid, the guy that sat next to me at the office, uh, just moved from from the, the East Coast somewhere, bought a new home, and first day, like all sorts of people were there helping to move in, and like they're playing with their kids and doing all sorts of stuff, and they got treats brought over and everything, and immediately got a dinner invite. Please come to dinner tomorrow, and we'd love to have you over. And they're like, oh, that's very nice. Thank you. And they came over, and the missionaries were there waiting for them. They had the missionaries invited, and then they opened with a prayer, and there was a lesson and an invite to church, and it was like this, they were just thrust into this agenda. Were like, they Mormon? Almost violently. No, no, no. There's just, just some... Just out of towners? Just people from the, the East wow. Coast who were I, th- no particular Sounds religious like affiliation, and they were pounced on. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. And he would describe, he's like, you wouldn't believe what they did today. People just show up. She let her dog run all over my house. Uh, nuts. Well, you, you know, what's what's interesting about the, the passive-aggressive culture is it feeds into, and I'm sure this is for the witnesses also, it feeds into a persecution complex when there is more direct behavior. Like missionaries will tell stories about being persecuted, which is people at the door saying, don't come to my house. I'm not interested. I've told the last six people who come and they're, they're being very direct and being very honest. And, and it's something, you know, I, I'd realized that, Missionaries have been working some of these neighborhoods for a hundred years, right? The missionaries are going to keep hitting that door every six months, right? So, so if you live in that house for twenty years, it's like, why do these people keep coming back over and over and over again? And 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 that is that is a direct form of communication, saying, I am not interested. I don't want. And missionaries will tell stories about that as if as if this is some sort of. Well, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I, the the assumption is they're supposed to be polite, and these people weren't polite to me. Therefore, they're persecuting me. Yeah, they should have been passive aggressive. They should have said, "Uh, um, I'm really yeah, busy yeah. right come now. Come back tomorrow. Why don't you come back tomorrow? When you know, that, that's 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 what that's what the missionary coming from the the passive aggressive culture is expecting to how how they're going to be turned down. That that when somebody just turns them down directly, no, no, that's persecution. Okay. We don't even know how to process directness. We just. But the one I was thinking of with non-members is we use non-members as like the the cautionary tale to our kids. Like, <laughs> but in such a passive-aggressive way, we're like, "See, Johnny, aren't we just so blessed that we don't live like that? Aren't we just so so lucky that we don't have to worry about Daddy drinking a beer?" <laughs> is that term blessed in that in the context he's so ever used in a non-passive aggressive way? <laughs> I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But have have you guys re- seen the the blog? She doesn't blog anymore, which is a seriously rotten so blessed, shame. Right? But seriously, so blessed. Have that. you guys seen that? Uh huh. Was it satire? She's, she's a like she parodies a Utah Mormon mom, and she has a phrase for this. Uh, like it's a modicon. It's a frown smile. Anytime it happens, she uses the frown smile, and it's. I mean, we had a we had a neighborhood get together, and I have this kind of rowdy neighbor who um drinks and and he neighbor. got a little he got a she little a wasted at our neighborhood social, and uh, he was saying to the woman, oh she she was trying to be really nice to him and said, oh your cream corn was really nice, can I have the recipe? And he said, what did you say? Did you say my creamed porn? 
And she didn't even know how to handle it. <laughs> the only thing I can say is the frown smile. Like, that just sums it up. Okay, so now now we've got two more categories. We talked about Mormon on Mormon, passive-aggressive. Mormon on non-Mormon. So now we're, we're moving up the passive-aggressive scale, which is Mormon on apostate or Mormon on ex-Mormon on passive aggression. Most of us who have left the church encounter this in dealing with our families. Um, and it can get pretty, because of the mechanisms we've already talked about, this method of social control, the problem is from their perspective, once you leave the church, you are just, you are, you're off fucking reservation in terms of social control, right? And they don't know how to deal with that. Um, and I've heard all sorts of stories about passive, one of my favorites is, and I've, I've heard this story over and over from different people, is when you have an, a, a 35-year-old adult in their in their house and their parents will come in their 60 year old parents and the 60 year old parents will in a very passive aggressive way proclaim that they must say a prayer before meals right that that um, in in our religion we always pray before before meals and it's it's an extreme if you think about it, a social control mechanism saying you are not allowed to have a differing view on this religious right I'm going to exert this from outside and, 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 and say that you must, you must do this. And, and the problem with the passive aggression with um, ex-Mormons is it's, it corrupts and corrodes familial sort of relationships. Like the passive aggression, and I will fully own this, the passive aggressive relationship between me and my siblings is that we do not talk about religion at all. And that goes both, both ways. And it's, it's, if you think about it in the abstract, it's an extremely bizarre Sort of thing where, where we, we, we walk all around the barn, but we never go, we never walk into the barn door. And, and so there'll be all these, these things where normal family re- interaction is pulled back to such a degree because there's this, me- this, this thing of control because you are not a- even allowed in the culture to be able to believe anything differently. So we're going to pretend that, that, that it, it's not there and we're going to exert this, this, this control on you. Um, so, so things like if you don't show up at, 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 um, ordinances, even ones that you're not allowed to. Um, so if you, <laughs> if you do not go to a temple marriage, um, and, 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 and they won't let you in unless you can answer the temple questions, you oftentimes, um, ha- be the subject of ridicule, gossip, all sorts of passive aggressive behavior. Uh, I know uh, I had a, I had a relative say to me, say to me, um, you know, basically, why don't you, why don't you love us? Uh, why don't you love me enough to come to my wedding? Uh, you know, it, because, because they're, they're flipping that, that on, on you, right. um, as a method of control. Yeah, it was your job to sit outside the temple and wait for them to get married. And if you do, if you if you deal with the passive aggressiveness with directness, which is the <laughs> only because if you don't do it that way, if you're passive aggressive back, then you're feeding your part of the system. But if you do, if you do the right thing and just and answer the question directly as it's stated and and say, okay, well, I'm not going because I'm not allowed to because of this and this and this, then then you're met with aggressiveness on the other side, and it's and it's taken. That because you were direct, that now that begets an that aggressive response, that's and that's not and that's not fair, and it's not accurate, and like they don't even. It's like everybody's been saying, they don't yeah, they handle. Throw, they, they throw the gloves off. Direct, yeah, they throw the gloves. They don't handle the direct communication. They take it as a threat, even though it's just communication. It's it's like their whole their whole paradigm of communication is twisted and they don't even understand how to communicate in a normal way. Yeah. So as an apostate, you're completely blocked out of communication with your family on this very important part of your life yeah. because any sort of direct 
and and this can be open, honest, sincere. You know, don't because I probably I'm I'm talking to all you Mormons and ex Mormons who are used to passive aggressive stuff. You're 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 thinking direct is in terms of confrontational. Direct does not mean confrontational. Direct can can mean I I you know I no longer believe Jesus Christ is my savior. I don't believe he's divine. I don't believe in ghosts. And and you're you're owning that sort of that sort of thing you're talking about in terms of your own belief. I don't believe in metaphysics. That's that's what I tend to tell people. Because then it just diffuses the conversation. They don't know what to say and they walk away. <laughs> um, so when people start asking me about my faith, I always say, I don't believe in metaphysics. That they will look at, it goes to that persecution complex or that's outside of their communication paradigm. So they will completely shut you down on, on, on that, on that front. And that's how they socially control it. It's, it's sort of like white blood cells. They're surrounding it, the virus and getting you out of there because they're not going to allow you to interact with the system. Sometimes they won't be aggressive back. Sometimes they'll just have shock like the, the porn comment that they made there, like they might just get shocked and then just try to change the subject because they don't know, even know how to react. Right, to it. but most of the, that's that's the that's the mo normally. That's what's normally going to happen. They're not going to if if you're direct, they're not going to respond with directness. They're going to go. They're going to retreat back into passive aggressiveness, which is oftentimes shunning. Um, uh, you know, th- th- those conditional love. Conditional love is a big one. Like, um, I really love you. I don't agree with your life choices, but I still love you. Or the whole like, geez, you know, I just, I'm just so sad. I'm just so sad to see this wasted potential. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, they exploit things, language that have always been used to build us up our entire lives, like this great God-given potential and this great God-given love for us. And they use that and turn it on us. And so it sounds kind of loving to an outsider, like, oh, you know, she's trying to express her love to you. But what she's saying is, I am so deeply disappointed in you. Passive-aggressive, and I think passive-aggressiveness is a lot more effective um, with family-on-family because you care. And, and so when they're passive aggressive, like we were like, Brian and I were joking beforehand. He was like, I'm about ready to go. You, do you need a ride? Or, you know, and <laughs> instead of just saying it, we were just joking about it. But the thing is like, if you care, then you're like, Oh, well, wh- what do I do to fix this? It's my family. I love them. I care, you know? And so like, and I think it's, it's more difficult and actually, and, and they know that. And so they try to use it and, and it is effective in some ways. And because you kind of almost, I mean, at least I do. Sometimes I just cower to it and I just kind of be part of that passive aggressive system because, you know, I do care and I'm trying to wade my way through it. I don't know. Yeah. And well, and like, like we talked about at the beginning, passive ag- aggression is a function of a power dynamic, right? That's why if you meet a str- stranger completely on the street, the only thing you, you can, you can at that point is try to do this, this higher level social control. Oh, well, in Utah, we don't do that. But you're trying to put them in a subordinate role to okay, you're being subordinate to our culture. But with families, that those those relationships are so strong and so powerful. Mm-hmm. That's what makes passive aggressiveness so um, useful in a family, which is why it first manifests itself in children because it's 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 the the, the, the way they they way they can push back on on those sort of things. Because if you didn't care, the passive aggressiveness would have no effect on you. Yeah. Eventually, we all reach that point. Where we're like, oh, I don't care anymore. I'm going to be me. Yeah, fine. You know, but still, I mean, initially, it's really difficult. <laughs> right, right. So when you're dealing with passive-aggressive people, especially like family members, parents or siblings or children, the, 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 the way it has to be dealt with is to establish boundaries, right? It's to reset the power dynamic. That's, that's how you get around it. Um, because as long as that power dynamic is in play – then that p- passive aggressiveness will keep coming out of family functions. You know, oh, 
you, you know, like like I, I, I saw one where they planned a family reunion. We were invited to, and they had all these things on the agenda, like all the grown-ups are going to go to the temple, which made us be the bad guys because we're the ones who wouldn't go to the temple. Well, this came up a little little earlier. Lindsay mentioned this uh, with, with the custom-made uh, home teaching or the family home evening message. My father got up at the at the pulpit at my it was my little sister's baby blessing, and I, I had I had stopped going to church for years. I I just wanted to be polite and nice. And my dad, it was one even his ward, got up to the pulpit and proceeded to basically lecture me <laughs> in front of everybody <laughs> about about what, uh, my my not believing and what I ha- how I have to think about the the church and how I have to be respectful about it. And man, it was like off the. Uh, I've seen that happen. This, I've this seen is happen what happens because Mormons. That I mean, this brutal. speaks to the power dynamic. Mormons are taught. I mean, we are conditioned to think that we have to control the behaviors of others. I mean, especially women, we hear this rhetoric all the time of like we have we're responsible for men's thoughts, and so our family members are just doing what they're trained to do. They're trying. When when you leave the church, they don't have power anymore. They because you're not doing what um, they're doing, and since you're an adult, they can't control it and so it comes out in all these weird funky ways are trying to control your behavior yeah, you it, get home and you find out that there's a there's an end sign on your door because your parents bought you a subscription uh, for the year how kind of them part of that, that was is a passive reflects- aggressive way to say it, how unkind of them but um there are all <laughs> kinds of ways that the family will try to control your behavior they'll exploit the guilt of your parenting saying you know that you're a bad parent they'll say that uh they're so They'll use their own love to try to control you. And at the bottom line is I've seen parents do awful things and ad- admittedly say awful things like like saying, yeah, I want my son to feel guilty and I want him to feel bad because I don't care what it takes as long as he gets back to church. I, w- I was going to add that p- part of that comes from the fact that the expectation in the church is that if you're righteous, your children will be righteous, right? Yeah. So if your kids are misbehaving, that's a reflection on you. So you're doing everything you can to prove to everyone around you that you're really righteous, but, oh, your kids aren't towing the line, so you get kind of desperate, and you, it comes out kind of sideways, and you do mean, shitty, controlling things to your kids because you're embarrassed that you have apostate kids or something. Hmm. For sure. All right, so I've left the best one for last. Which is the reverse, um, the um, ex-Mormon passive-aggressive behaviors. <laughs> so uh, when people leave the church, they don't always give up the, 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 the patterns of behavior. And um, frankly, I tend to see as much um, passive-aggressive behaviors um, among ex-Mormons as I do among, among Mormons. And, and in, in, in a way, it can be worse. So these same sort of passive-aggressive things... Uh, I'll tell you a passive-aggressive thing I do. Um, when I go to family prayers, I don't close my eyes or bow my head, right? I look for other people and I wink mm-hmm. at them. Um, but but that is a very dickish, passive-aggressive thing to do, oh, really? right? Don't you think? I, well, I don't I do not do it, but it's just because I don't believe it. But, I mean, I guess if that's what your mindset is, then... But if the believer's are... eyes are closed, no harm done. Well, yeah. well, well, um, it, it's, it's a way for me to passively resist, right? That, that's no, that's what I'm doing. Now, now, what's funky here is you can see system, layers and layers of control. We, we talked about control in the system before. So passive-aggressive behaviors come out because what else can I do? La, 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 You know, I can't. I, Walk out, I, make a scene by no, walking out. Whatever. Yeah, there's yeah. no way for me to actively um, uh, 
uh, and, and I, I have, but you can sit down, and not stand up. You know, there's there's ways, but then but then oftentimes social structures are in place to control behaviors. So as an ex Mormon, you're forced into these systems where where being um, um an active or a more openly defiant of the system or 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 um a defiance system. I'm looking for a softer word, but but it is defiance because the the system is set up to make you have to defy it, right? John, it, can I tell you my passive aggressive experience? This just reminds me. Sure. Um, and I blogged about this before, but when I was starting after Packer's, you know, famous 2010 homosexuality talk, I was just bummed out. And so I, it was really hard for me to sit in sacrament. So first of all, I would take the baby out on purpose. Like, oh no, can't, can't be sitting down in church. And, uh, I was in a different ward and I walked into the high council room and I saw a picture of Elder Packer on the wall. Like they had the quorum of the 12. And I took the picture and I, I kid you not, I was going to steal it. Like, I was like, I don't know what to do with this, but I, I'm so mad at this man. I'm going to steal it. And I was like, no, stealing's wrong. I can't do that. Did you at least leave it akimbo? Come on. No, I turned it backwards and put it back on the wall. I, I'm serious. And, and then like, and then I felt so bad about it, but I left it for a while. And then like probably three hours later, I went and turned it back. But I mean, that was my only way that I felt like I could assert my power. It's 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 difficult once again to to keep underlying this because it's about a power dynamic. So you're in this trap where oftentimes ex Mormons will put, for example, very passive aggressive things on their Facebook feed um, to sort of tweak their 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 believing friends and family, and it's coming out of the same thing. It's coming out of this position of feeling powerless against this onslaught of Mormon culture, this onslaught of even it be passive aggressiveness coming the one way, and where a, where open behavior is seen as 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 dickish, or you don't even know what what to do because people assume that you're 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 part of that all the time. <laughs> I'm busted on that. I post stuff about critical thinking like visibly all the time. It's like what? what I'm really saying is your imaginary stuff is nonsensical. Here's a better way to think. But but I mean That's I think totally I think a lot of times that crosses the line. Let's let's because because these these are continuums. Then you get into openly aggressive behavior, and you know your Facebook feed is is should be something that ostensibly defines yourself, right? So so you can be posting things, um, and maybe you just like to argue with people online. That's fine, mm-hmm. but but. But so a lot of those things are openly aggressive. They're not, they're not passive uh, aggressive. So you'll see a passive aggressive response. You know, if, if I put up a, um, uh, an article from Psychology Day that says all religion is crap or whatever, that's not a passive aggressive move depending on, on, on how, on how I do it. Um, but there can be passive aggressive responses given in threads. And so sometimes they're, they're, they're borderline inappropriate, you know, um, I, I understand where it's coming from and, 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 and why we do it, but we're, we're, we're behaving in the same dickish way. I hate it. I, I hate the passive aggressiveness, um, but I do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I have to consciously and actively try to not do the passive aggressive thing and I have to be like, all right, what, what do I want here? Okay. And this is what I want to do and I'll, I'll say that. But I do catch myself being passive aggressive sometimes, and then I'm like, okay, what do I want to say? What do I want to do? And then I'll try to say it vocally and directly. But right, and I think I think one of the differentiators is passive aggressive behavior comes out often as more when things don't matter, like like when it's it's really something that that that, that matters. Like 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 for example, if your employer tried to withdraw ten percent of your paycheck and give it to the church, you would just go down to HR and say, 
I'm not a believer in the church. You can't take 10% out. <laughs> but if if they started to do something else, you know, that, that just didn't, like they started talking about, I don't know, the second coming of Jesus or something, then you might make facial expressions or body posture or, or, or things that, that I, I, I've said this before, the test is, how would you treat a strange religion? Like if, if, if you if you were there and your Hindu friends, by strange I mean one's different from from, from you, were Hindu friends were talking about like the, the their religious ceremony, you'd be like, oh, that's fascinating. You'd be like this. You put on your Indiana Jones hat and be like this mini archaeologist. <laughs> but if your if your Jehovah Witness friends, your Mormon friends, or whatever are talking about it, you're more likely to be like rolling your eyes and sighing and breathing heavy. And and that that's where that's where you're being a dick because because you it doesn't really matter and th- and let them have their their stuff sometimes, um and you don't have to like you don't have to let everybody know all the time everything you disapprove of that's the same thing they're doing with the with the sleeves uh, yeah you don't have to swing at every pitch exactly yeah. but I do that's from a friend of mine <laughs> um yeah I I and, and the the answer is choose choose your choose your battles you know be direct. And this goes for this goes for Mormons dealing with non Mormons, Mormons dealing for for each other. Be direct and set boundaries. Try not to be you know like mean or aggressive, but you know you have to communicate things clearly. You know, um, Bishop, um, I I understand home teaching. I just it's not for me. I don't want to do it, or I have my reasons are my own. Um, turning down callings. Um, you know, one, one of the ways I've, I've given this advice over and over again, people like they don't know how to get out of callings. Like they're fresh leaving the church and they're like, I, I have no idea. And, and what you do is you go to them. So everybody write this down. You go to them and say, things have changed in my life. Um, I will be, um, I, I will no longer be the relief society president on May 15th. You, you don't ask. You yeah. just you just state that, and then you give them two two weeks notice, like you know, um, and 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 then you know if you don't want to talk to them about it, say my reasons are you know my reasons are my own, or I don't feel comfortable talking about yeah. that right now, or, or whatever. That's a direct sort of sort of way, um, and, and instead of instead of being being passive now, aggressive. Well, about it. Some experts say that in order to stop passive aggressive behavior behavior, the first thing is you have to address the reality of the situation. And if you look at the reality of your situation, when you decide, when you make the decision, I don't think I can go to church right now, or I don't want to take that calling because I'm worried about teaching. Stop and assess the situation and and really see the power dynamic. How much power are you giving the man down the street who you call your bishop <laughs> the, the over you? And when you, when you realize, like, wait a minute, I don't have to be doing anything because you think well i'm in this calling i have to do it until he releases me no you don't you don't you don't have to tell the bishop anything it's a volunteer organization sorry it's a volunteer organization you don't have to even be power you give them yep and and i promise you god really doesn't care and he's not holding you accountable if you believe he does that's one thing but if you're starting to question that i mean really address the the power dynamic and if you can step back from it Look at the the structure and say, you know what? I don't need to explain myself. I don't need to tell him my whole life story. I don't need to tell him about the problems in my marriage. I don't need to tell him about all the problems with my faith. You just need to tell him, no, I'm sorry. The role you serve for me is you've asked me to do something, and I told you I would. I can no longer do that. My therapist gave me a good phrase. She she said to say that I'm choosing not to participate right now. That puts the control in your hands. Yeah, I I think on that, you know, one of the ways to deal with passive aggressive, um, um. The, those sort of behaviors, for example, a baptism, um, you know, the, the last one, you know, I, 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 we told them directly, um, 
you know, we, we won't be going to the baptismal ceremony. We didn't explain why, but we're, we'll go to the lunch and we want to support the, you know, the, we want to show the, the child that, you know, we, we, we love them, but we won't be going to the, to the, bap- the baptism. And we didn't even, they didn't, they didn't even ask. If they ask, then so, sometimes what I will do is I will say, this, this is what I do with people I work with. I will say, do you want to have this conversation? <laughs> um, you know, cause I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation directly with you about faith or about that sort of stuff. But, you know, so to set aside that space, and this this helps in relationships too. Sometimes you you need to go circle back and have a time when you're directly talking about things. And if you can set that up with your family, um, you know, I, I I have told you know my my parents especially, I've said if 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 you if you want anytime you want to, we can talk about faith. But I'll give you my answers. You know, you 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 have to realize that I'm going to answer any anything honestly. You know, I do that too. I just say, well, we can have this conversation. If you want to or not, but, you know, it may go a place where you don't want it to go. Right, right. Um, Let me tell you what Michael Stevens says, um, the Weaver State professor about ideal conflict resolution style. He says collaboration would be ideal, but it's beyond the skill set that most people have. So compromise is a healthy alternative, like John was talking about with the baptism. Compromise is a more equitable form of competition. Competition is, quote, I don't care what happens to you. I'm just out for myself, and I'm going to assume you're doing the same. Compromise is when two people who are competing realize that beating each other up increases the risk that both end up dead. Compromise is more likely is a more likely strategy that people use when they feel that the alternative, open hostility and winning everything at all costs, isn't worth it. Compromise is giving a little. At least we can feel like we've got some measure of fairness. Most people in most social situations, if they believe that they have been dealt with in an appropriate level of fairness, can live with that. And and I would only add to that, there's tons that can't, and there's no winning with those guys anyway. So that's where we get to drawing boundaries. A lot of people in the church cannot interact with somebody who doesn't believe in the church on any sort of reasonable level, and it's just not even worth trying. And, 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 you know, generally, unless somebody is ready or willing to talk about things, you know, you, you know, you, you can, you can, you, you can say things like, you know, I, I'm, I'm no longer a believer. I always, I always do the, but, um, I, but then always say something positive, like, like, um, I, I, I left the church, you know, but I still have a lot of friends and family in the church. Um, I, Jesus had really cool hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to push back that that sort of that sort of behavior or, or whatever they're doing. Well, and you can take a note from Jesus. I remember I had a therapist tell me this, and it was like a revolutionary idea at the time. He would say, "Be gentle but firm." He said, like Jesus was, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "Jesus like didn't let people walk all over him. He would say something in a kind way." But he would establish his boundaries. So you don't need to be a douche to your parents, but you can you can still hold your ground. And um, if they want to cross that line to douchebag behavior, that's on them. But you can just say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to to do that with you today, or I'm not going to um, be going back to church, and I'm sorry that that hurts you, or whatever. But you're setting your boundary, and you're trying to do it in it as gentle a way as possible with with still being direct and not giving them some sort of false underhanded compliment or, or not compliment, um, insult or false hope. For sure. And it's okay to change the top, change the subject. That's what I do <laughs> with my mother sometimes. I, 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 I don't know. I, you know, there, there's sometimes like my, my mom who I love dearly will start fishing for information 
and I'll just change the subject. And I think she gets That's the boundary drawing. We'll call that yeah, boundaries. Yeah, we'll call it passive aggressive boundary drawing. <laughs> no, uh, you know, go go out and look at the lists, and you'll see you have all sort of these things. We're we're all very poor communicators. Um, I I I think I think if you, if you acknowledge that and realize that it's a, it's a two way it's a two way street, and just uh, the fundamentals of passive aggression is trying to control social behavior through these subtle like tweaks and and, and the, the 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 problem with them is they is they tend to backfire uh, and just I, th- I think the thing the last thing is is people who do that a lot I think they're really oftentimes expressing an uncomfortability with it you know like uh, the the as for me in my house that that's that's somebody's comfortable with their own belief somebody who makes um passive aggressive statements about other women wearing sleeveless things all the time or whatever that that's somebody who's not comfortable with her own set of moral guidelines and if you realize that then you say this is a person who's who's fighting an internal fight maybe you'll have a little bit more mercy to them they're still dicks though something i wanted to touch on that was said early on the the idea that the contention is of the devil that, that's crap that that's not oh, actually that's actually not actually correct uh it sometimes people can respectfully and mutually disagree. Sometimes there are honest disagreements and, and you, if, if there, I mean, I don't believe in any idea of the devil, but if, if contention is of the devil, so is a sort of sneaky underhanded manipulation. That's also the devil. So if that, Gosh, if that I motivates know, though, you, I think we need to be really careful when we're talking about <laughs> the scriptures and what the prophets have told us. And we need to just be really careful that we don't, contradict those things uh, if, you, if yeah. you guys want to see this play out go to uh, I'll, I'll pimp my my facebook group go to the the vip lounge and you'll see the interaction between people who've been out of the church say five plus years and people who are just out and you'll see the difference between the passive aggressive and and oftentimes people who've been out of the church are more direct and and the people who are fresh out tend to struggle with that a little bit more and 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 you'll see these du- direct things and they think they're being like attacked and they'll they'll be I'll give you a great example of a non-passive aggressive Mormon. Mike Tannehill is not passive aggressive at all, and I get complaints about him. Um, and then I get complaints about people complaining about Mike, and and then it goes around and around circles. But but he states very directly, and and he doesn't he doesn't use insult language. His ideas can sometimes be very insulting. Um, and very kind of horrific, but he states them in a very clear, very direct way. And Wait, I have to take umbrage with one thing. He is a little bit passive sexist with me, and he knows what he's talking about because he, you know what I'm talking about, Mike Tannehill, because he always posts <laughs> sexist things on my wall with no comment. <laughs> oh, well, that, so. that, maybe that, but, but, but they're not passively aggressively sexist. He's openly sexist. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. He, he's directly well, sexist. Yeah. But posting them on your board is kind of a passive aggressive. If he mailed it anonymously to you, that would be passive. Yeah. But Mike and I are, are at a place where I think we can handle it. So, 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 so some people like will will and, and th- will complain about him on the on the board where he's stating opinions they don't like, but he's stating them very concisely and very clearly, and so he's falling within the rules of the board. But but the the I think the people complaining are so used to this passive aggressive social control mechanism that they don't like the fact that the board allows you to state unpopular opinions. Well, yeah, and again, disagreement doesn't that, necessarily well me. mean that, um, I, I don't know how else to say this, like that the spirit is not there. You know, that's always used as a tool to keep people in line. But like I've said, like I've, I've been having conversations about hard things before, like gender violence and sexism and, 
um, mass rape and genocide. And you ha- it's like, how are you poss- able to have the spirit in the room there? And I think that you need to to make sure that that argument is not being used against you as well, that you can have a respectful disagreement without it crossing over into the sinful contention that Mormons are talking about when they're talking about um, what, what they're trying to avoid with their passive regression. Right. And I, I think for ex-Mormons, Mormons, realize that somebody disagreeing with your ideas, even vehemently or very tersely, is, is not a personal attack. Um, um, the, 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 I guess the, the big problem, I, I mean, the bottom line here is it, the passive aggression sort of blends, intermixes, intermingles, confuses that ad hominem who the person is and what they believe, and it gets it all screwed up. And that goes back to that social control issue. Let's talk about another passive aggressive thing that people do, at least in Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm sure Mormons do it too, is quoting scripture. Oh, yeah, of course. It's like, oh, oh yeah. you know, Hezekiah 12, 3 says blah, 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 and they're like saying something at you or about you or about the group or something. Well, it's not, I didn't say you were bad. God did. God said it in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So quit being passive aggressive, damn it. <laughs> Any other uh, uh, last minute thoughts? No, that was fun. All right. Dustin, Brian, Lindsay, Kim, did we leave anybody else out? Nope. All right. So as always, the discussion continues on our website at mormonexpression.com. You can comment on this or any of our other podcasts there. And uh, check out the VIP Lounge um, on Facebook um, for uh, the Wild West of of uh, Mormon and ex-Mormon conversations. Uh, good night, everybody. Night. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.